Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this uh, beautiful morning, uh, for everything that you've given us uh, today that we're reminded of as we gather here, uh, that you've given us your Son, you've given us your salvation, you've given us your Word, you've given us each other, given us the Holy Spirit, uh, Lord, you've provided for us, uh, for our human needs, uh, Lord, and you've provided for us. Uh, our biggest need, and that is reconciliation with you. Lord, I pray that you would uh, guide our discussion this morning, that you would lead us uh, according to your will, that we would enable each other to, uh, in your spirit, to, to learn and to grow closer to you and be conformed to the image of your Son as a result of studying together this morning. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, welcome to the, the, the Bible, God's Inerrant Word class. Let's start by looking up Matthew 4, 4. Who can read Matthew 4, 4 for us? Raise your hand if you're ready to read it. Got it. Go ahead. But he answered, it is written... One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. All right, who's talking there? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is talking. What is the circumstance? Well, he's being tempted by Satan. He's been tempted by Satan. And uh, he quotes this scripture. It's actually from Deuteronomy. It's Deuteronomy 3. Uh, I have it written down here somewhere. Okay, trust me, it's in Deuteronomy. And uh, it's a verse that talks about God providing manna, uh, but making the point that actually uh, manna was something God spoke into existence. And that man, we, did, we live not by bread alone, but by uh, every word that comes from the mouth of God. Let's look at Exodus 24.12. Got that ready. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and wait there, that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment, which I have written for their instruction. Which so God wrote on these tablets. He he wrote stuff. And uh uh, <clears throat> he did it in kind of a godlike way, right? With, with his finger, maybe. That says another other place he wrote it with his finger, which is interesting, in stone. And um, so God uses words. And uh, Jesus refers to God's words. And God's talking to Moses about coming on up here and getting some stuff I wrote down. Law and commandment, which we, we, which later in the first five books of the Bible, it's, it's a lot. It goes on and on. We don't know if all that was written on those stones. We don't, you know, the traditional thing is that there are a set of stones made with the Ten Commandments on them in large writing, large letters. But there's a lot of detail in the law, uh, a lot of specificity uh, in uh, some of these uh, books in Exodus, <clears throat> Genesis, Exodus. Uh, so we're here to talk about words. God communicates with us using words. 
Uh, I'm told, I read this in our little book, that there's more than 750,000 words in the ESV translation uh, into English of the Bible. Uh, the original language, it's not as big a number, 500, I can't remember, 500,000, something like that. Uh, I guess because we, we throw in a lot of these and us and stuff that the Greek and Hebrew languages skip over. Like English makes sense, we have to add in all those articles. So, uh, God communicates with us using words. And uh, we've got types of words. What's a type of a word? What do I mean? Uh, let's see. Adjective. An adjective. That is what I meant. An adjective is like, what's, instead of type, what's the right word for that? Like, uh, noun, adjective, verb. Adverb. Adverb. Like, what are What's these? the category? Yeah, what is the, what is yeah. the category of these categories? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I should have looked it up. I'm a, uh, so those, I'm, I call them types of words. He's like, all right. And we've got assemblies of words, right? We've got clauses. Clauses, several words strung together. We've got um, statements. We've got questions. We have a lot of questions. And we have uh, arguments, like a whole book. You'll, you'll hear people refer to a whole book that they've written as an argument. All right, and, uh, and we've got, uh, what else? What other kinds of conglomerations of words do we have? Just one other one at least, two other ones. Letters. Letters. Grammar. Grammar. Grammar des describes kind of the rules of assembling words in a language into, like what are the rules? Uh, and uh, we've got poetry, uh, we've got stories. <clears throat> uh, all right, first big question. Time to, you know, crack the mental knuckles. Why are words important? Because words convey meaning. Everybody hear that? Why are words important? Because words convey meaning. Okay. Because uh, words convey meaning. Any other reason words are important? Communication. Communication. So the purpose of conveying meaning is to accomplish, right? I mean, or, or vice versa. The purpose of communicating is to convey meaning. And to do that, we, well, do we need words? What are some other, what are, do we, are there some non-word ways that we communicate to convey meaning? Body movement. Body, yeah, body, body movement. I think a more modern example, which is really just a reworking of an ancient example, is like emojis. All the kids and their emojis. That's just modern yes. hieroglyphics. The apostles let me add those <laughs> emojis. If I ever have to teach this again, <laughs> on their emojis. Okay. Emojis. Hieroglyphics. Hieroglyphics. Okay. Hieroglyphics were little pictures. Little pictures. Um, the Chinese language, you know, their alphabet is little pictures. Yes. It's really a complicated form of hieroglyph. Hiero How do you say it? Hieroglyphics. Hieroglyphics. What was that one, Dave? Music. Music. Right? Music. Is it a sad song? How do we know that it's a sad song, right? How do we know that it's a, a happy song? How do we know... Community, there's something in music that communicates, all right. Uh, what else? Gestures. Emotion. Emotion, facial expressions, like that one? Yeah. Yeah. 
facial expressions. But look, here's, here we go. We're looking at each other. We're using facial expressions. We're using body language, okay? And we, what about this is, is uh, not good enough as words? What do we still need words? We don't know what's in your brain. Yeah. Am I angry or is this just a bad habit? Right? Right? Is, am, I just, am, I, am I sad or am I tired? What am I trying to do? I mean to communicate any of this, right? Or am I accidentally communicating it? Um, tone of voice, a big one like emojis, pictures, just pictures in general. They say a picture is worth a thousand words, right? What's it, why is a picture worth a thousand words? When does, when does a picture really come in? When there's no language that's universal, for instance. Yeah. Like when we don't speak the same language, we start by pointing at stuff, right? Hand. We try to teach each other by basically, before we had pictures, we'd use this. I was <clears throat> trying to, trying to uh, understand something yesterday, and I thought the, the words I was reading were not getting, I wasn't getting it. It wasn't written very well, I wasn't getting it. So what was I looking for? A YouTube video. It's about how to do something. All right. So I, I was looking for a YouTube video. So we can communicate without words, but what's the problem? We can't be precise, right? We don't know exactly what you mean. All right. In fact, one of the videos I found for what I was looking up, it was for a different version of this. It was totally useless. Right, totally useless, different version of the instrument. So we can't be sure exactly what the person meant <clears throat> without words. Words are precise. Words are, they have a specific meaning and then we use grammar to make the words, put the words together in a way that'll have a specific meaning. Right, so words give us specific <clears throat> meaning. Um, I mean, God sometimes used stuff besides words. We might have talked about that last Sunday a little bit. I mean, he displayed the stars out there like we were talking about earlier and said, you try to think of somebody besides me that could do that. All right, so I'm here. God's, the Bible tells us that the creation is a little message from God to everybody that he is here, okay? He is God. And, uh, and he showed some prophets, like if you ever study Ezekiel, Ezekiel saw this vision and uh, he didn't have, there was no video. Uh, he had to like, while he could still remember it all, try to describe it with words. And it was hard to do. But in fact, we've, uh, we've got a class where we have some slides where we try to draw what Ezekiel was describing. <laughs> and is describing some pretty wild stuff, like UFOs. <laughs> anyway, so... Um, <clears throat> So they had John in Revelation, same thing, events in the future, but to record them that anybody might be able to share what he saw, he had to use words. It was the only way that it could be recorded. So he did his best with words, okay? Words we need. So, uh, all right, next, next question. That one, the first one was too easy. Just got it right like that. Uh, Devin just jumped on it. No, pr no pressure. No pressure. Okay. Okay, so the next one is, who decides what words mean? Who decides what words mean? 
than you would argue the person receiving them. Which is why, as you were saying, like, their words are precise, you know, and when we say something in words, you know, it's the other people understand it in a precise manner. It's more precise than a lot of those other men. Mm -hmm. But it's not 100% precise. No. The no, thing it's that not. the person the, is it? that the sender is sending in words is not always received that way. Okay. All right. So, what do the words the sender sent really mean? What do they mean? Who decides what they mean? The sender. David says, well, the receiver has to decide what they think the sender meant. Yeah, that's the right? tough part, right? <laughs> so, the sender, huh? Is that what you said? The sender, Stephanie says, meant something. So in a way, the sender decided what the words mean because they had a meaning, they wanted to communicate, and they picked the words they thought would work. That I mean, to them, to the sender, these words mean what I'm trying to tell you. Kind of by definition. Unless I'm unless I'm trying to fool you, unless I'm trying to deceive you, then I might try to, I might say something that that might mean something different to you than it, than I really meant it. Now I have plausible deniability. Well I said I'd never seen that before. I'd seen pictures of it. Okay. Oh tricking me. So but the sender is kind of, I mean, they're the ones picking the words, they have a meaning in mind. The challenge for uh, the receiver, the reader, is to, I mean, what is our task when we're trying to understand what someone's telling us? Understand what they meant, right? It's, we want to know what they meant. So, the the use of words with their precise meaning and our, our grammars and, and, you know, describe how we should string them together to make sure they mean something together. All that adds up, and uh, we hope to be able to figure out what they mean. Uh, I mean, think about the gaps. <clears throat> so, if, uh, if, some, if you're listening to some, have you ever listened to somebody who had very little English? So it wasn't quite the sign language. I mean, it wasn't like hand, but it was very little English, and they're trying to tell you something, okay? We've had some contractors in our house that did not speak English, only Spanish. And uh, they would be trying to tell us something. And, or they might speak a, just a very little bit of English. Like, what was, the, what was the English word the guy came up with for spackling compound? Well, dough. Dough. <laughs> dough. But his phone came up with that, because he spoke <laughs> it into his phone, and then his phone translated. the Spanish word for what we call uh, spackling compound, or mud, like some, I call it spackling compound because that's more precise. <laughs> mud, we don't put mud on the walls, but everybody who put, uses spackling compound for a living just calls it mud. They call it mudding, what they do. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Drywall compound. Drywall compound. So, uh, if you're trying to listen to somebody but they don't have the words, it's not going to go very well, right? It's going to be hard to figure out what they're saying because they don't have the words and they're the sender. They're trying to tell you something they don't have the words. Or on the other way around, uh, somebody could be trying to s explain something to you and you don't have the words. All right, like when somebody, my, my, I've had several people attempt to explain holograms to me. Holograms. How is it that 
you can create a hologram. I understand the stereo vision where you have the two slightly different images and you make sure that your eyes can only see one of them and it looks 3D. But holograms, you just look at them and they look 3D. How does that work? And I've had several people try to explain to me. Apparently, I don't have the words to understand what they're saying to me. All right, that's what this is about, right? This is God said, those are called Maxwell's equations. That's one of the sets of Maxwell's equations. And, uh, and there was light. Okay. That was a popular t-shirt where I went to school, so don't make <laughs> it. Uh, so, but I don't Sand understand. And God said? Yeah. It, it, it says, and God said, and then it has Maxwell's equations, and there's several different versions of this. And then there was light. Because, and actually, I think this set of equations has to do with why this explains why you can pump electricity through a filament and get light. This, this is like this is That's a very these two were these guy. two were discovered by Gauss. Ever heard of That's Gauss? This is this is Faraday. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> God said these things, and there was light. But I always thought that was a great T-shirt to be floating around because when God says that God did invent light, and He did it by saying words. In fact, let's uh, <clears throat> let's look at uh, no, let's uh, we'll save that for later. Alright, where was I? Uh, here I was. So, uh, I don't know about this question, but I'm going to try it anyway. How is our world trending on its uh, treatment of words? How are words doing in our current world? They're, they're breaking down. The priority is put on the receiver as opposed to the sender. They're, okay, priorities? So there's almost an attempt to not find the intended meaning. It's almost like intent doesn't matter. Um, that's what I see anyway. It's what I think you said to me. It is me, the receiver of your communication, that decides what it means. Uh, there's a lot of that, isn't it? And they're just, and total like uh, redef like Devin said, read sort of redefinition of words. Uh, the the, like, cur the current, the faster, more accessible things are, the more shorthand we speak now. Mm -hmm. too. So a lot of words that are beautiful and used to be necessary, more common in writing, are kind of chucked out the window in favor, in favor of a more utilitarian approach, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you know, think about email and I'm sure no one else has ever had this happen before someone responded I don't like the tone of your email <laughs> <laughs> as far as I know there was no tone uh -huh. there was an abbreviated form of communication yeah which may be conveyed by some people to be more terse than it was actually meant to be should have put the little smiley emoji on there just put <laughs> a smiley emoji, emoji or you put the disclaimer at the bottom and made it dating tough pre-emoji no, no. <laughs> well, yeah, I find myself very reluctant to put anything in writing, which means I can't always be precise. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a trend. Um, I think have... our communication is being Twitterized. Twitterized. So Where made you're reasonable. Limited, you know, we're trying to have theological, spiritual discussions 
in tiny little fragments of communication. Sure. Which, in my opinion, doesn't work. It turns into coaches so, instead of an actual. As Stephanie discourse. said. Right. In my humble opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In, in, All right. Yeah. In regards to that that thought and what Danny said about the receiver, I I, I feel like. I, I prefer the the process the ins in Lord of the Rings had where they took a very long time to say anything. <laughs> um, that's worth saying. Yeah. And these days, because it's more about the receiver. Uh, uh, if I if I'm interpreting what they said right, um, there's less patience for deep meaningful conversation. I find with a lot of people, like yeah, if I want to have yeah. that conversation. Some will engage, and then others like get to your point. Yeah. I don't have the patience for you know yeah. the the, yeah. the process of communicating is being shortened, not just the language itself. Yes, and I think it's. I mean, to me, this idea comes. It started with the you know I don't know the Enlightenment. Now I was a technical major, so but if there were some liberal arts majors in the room, let alone a philosophy major. Then you've heard of the Enlightenment, and you've heard about uh, folks, uh, Manuel Kant, and people that decided that they would try, they'd write their papers all about how maybe words don't mean as much as we want them to mean, or words are insufficient to convey true meaning, or that actually, you know, our, our words are just evolved grunts, and, you know, they it's up to everybody to just decide what words mean and they're inadequate anyway so we need to just trust our experience our own personal experience and uh <clears throat> the, the words uh mean whatever we decide them to mean and they're they're inadequate <clears throat> the bottom line is you can have your truth and i can have mine like like oprah Right, you have your truth, I have mine. And uh, well, I mean, that's a lot, to me, that's a logical kind of build out or, or uh, consequence of, you know, as, as came into the Enlightenment, uh, Darwinism and evolution and the idea that, um, you know, if we, if, we, if we actually come from inanimate objects, then there doesn't have to be a God and there probably isn't a God. Uh, and if, he, if there is one, it can't be the God of the Bible, because obviously that's way more specific than we're talking about now. And so we, we have no accountability to God, which is what we want, right? No accountability to God. And so as humans, off we go. Um, now, of course, that can lead, that doesn't actually get people in a good place, right? That leads to despair for a lot of people. It leads to... Uh, hedonism oh we didn't have to have the enlightenment to have hedonism but uh, you know what's and dog eat dog like who ha who has the money makes the rules the golden rule and uh, so um, so really even even common grace which we've been talking about late, lately here and now uh, lately is common grace of words have a specific meaning actually is necessary for human uh, flourishing. You take that away, society starts to go downhill. The more you have 
like an agreed meaning to things, uh, kind of the better humans do, right? So it's weird. It's like, well, actually, this creation of by God of words with specific meaning, even if you don't believe in God, you really need those words to have a society anybody would want to live in, <laughs> right? So, uh, common grace, words have a specific meaning. Otherwise, we're going to descend into misery. All right, next, next thought question. When is the deadline for finishing? Is it 10 o'clock? It's 10 o'clock. All right, 10 o'clock. <laughs> well, soon, pretty soon we'll get past... That's an easy question, Pretty soon we'll get past the introduction. Right? Okay, so uh, what is the connection between words and truth? Class thoughts. Okay, I got a question for your question. Great to It has to do with language. So if you used uh, the word boil... Mm -hmm. It means at least two things. Yes. And you use the word vile, and that means at least two things. And you put Depending those two you spell together, mm -hmm. or somebody mistranslates it, mm -hmm. uses well, a different language, and it says, mm -hmm. the, the directions say, boil, vile. Mm -hmm. And they mess it up, and they say, vile, boil. Mm -hmm. It's two different meanings, mm -hmm. but it's the same word, mm -hmm. but yet the word has different meanings. So which mm -hmm. is true? Mm-hmm. So what is the connection between words and truth? What makes well, a set uh, of words context. true? Or history. Well, God uh, is the way, the truth, and the life. So there, in order for there to be truth, there has to be some, a necessary God to define that truth. And they convey it to humans. Okay, and you could have a string of words that's true one way and not true the other, or means one thing one way and not something else the other. So we, so for Dave, for your question, I think we rely a lot on context. Somebody might have said that, like context. What am I expecting that you're talking about? Is it a is it a boil is it boil a verb or is it boil a noun? As you know, is it vile as in B I L E or is it vile as in B I A L? Okay. Well, of course, now written words, written words help us with that because there's the context and there's the spelling. You still might have like him in a sentence, and does it refer to which of these two hymns in the recent context is that referring to? But even when we're asking those kind of questions, what are we trying to discover? The true meaning of this thing that we were that we were reading, right? And truth, I think, Devin, like Devin was saying, so really all truth comes from God. That's the so all truth comes from God, and words. God uses words to communicate. So God's words, for one thing you would say it must be true. So there's a connection between the truth and words if directly if the words come from God. If the words come from God, whoop, bang, automatically true, because God is true. Okay, whatever God says is kind of by definition true. Um, <clears throat> uh, for example, read Genesis 1, 3 through 5. Let's look over there. 
God uses words to tell the truth. And if we're going to describe truth in any form, we're going to need words. You say three, 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 five? One, three, three, five. Oh. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, which was the first day. So the Bible tells us that God spoke the creation. So the minute he said, let there be light, it, had, it became true that there was light. <laughs> light didn't exist. And he hung it in space before even the sources of the light. Right? So, which is a little bit beyond our comprehension. He didn't need a source. There wasn't a source, right? He created bang and there was light, okay? And uh, <clears throat> he spoke it. And he means something really specific, right? And then he named the thing that he just created. He, he gave it a word. The thing that he created and what it was called, a word for it. So he really is a god of words. I mean, he didn't just, it doesn't say, he thought there ought to be light, and there was light. He named it, and there was light. And what, and he named, what was the next thing that happened after he made all the animals, right? I mean, he had Adam name them all. Okay. Assist him with the naming process, the creating of words for each thing. Uh, <clears throat> so... God means, when he uses words, he means something specific. And since he's God, whatever he says is true. And whatever he says has some objective meaning, which is what he meant by it. So he's a God of words. Um, well, okay, so we're going to study in this course over the next several weeks, like you talked about last week. I couldn't be here last week, but I listened to it and we're going to talk about all kinds of different categories of words. This is a different category of categories. What I mean is uh, things like uh, history. There's history in the Bible. There's narrative. It's just like a story, like the story of Esther. It's just a story in the Bible. And uh, there's poetry, like the Psalms. There's different kinds of Psalms. And uh, history, genealogy. There's all kinds of different kinds of stuff in the Bible, and it's all God's words. So we're going to talk about, well, how are all these things, you know, becoming God's words? But today we just want to talk about one kind of words that are in the Bible, and that's God's words. The, the stuff in the Bible that he actually is, is the, it's like he's being quoted, but he, it says, and God said, and then it has what he said. Okay, so we're going to look at that today, and there's, there's uh, 4,000, almost 4,000 uh, passages in the Bible, passages in the Bible where it says, and God said, or thus saith the Lord at the end, or it's a conversation, and God is talking, and, so, and somebody's writing down, has written down what he said. So th these words are said by God according to the Bible. 
So they are God's words for sure. And uh, we're going to talk about them. Let's look at, Gen- we're still in Genesis. Look over at verse uh, chapter 1, verse 28 and 29. You can read that. Does the 4,000 include Jesus' words, or is that just like no, God? Because, uh, no, that's just, and God said, or thus saith the Lord. Good question. Yeah. Um, a lot of times when Jesus is talking, it just, it might, I, well, it does, then he said, I don't know if they counted that or not, Ryan, I'd be honest. I, now that you asked that question, I'm not sure. Then Jesus said, blah, blah, blah. That's true. I don't know if the 4,000 includes that or not. All right, so where who, did we arrive at Genesis 1, 28 and 29? Anybody got that? Uh, and God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth as you do it, and rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of heaven, and over every animal that moves upon the earth. And God said, Look, I am giving to you every plant that bears seed, which is on the face of the whole earth, and to every kind of tree that bears fruit, they shall be yours as food. Is that right? Yes. All right. So there it is. And God said to them, in my Bible, there's a quote mark then, and that's the end of that quote. So God is talking, and uh, later on it got written down. Okay. And um, Isaiah 6, 8 through 10 Master, get to Isaiah. There it is. Six, eight through ten. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, This is Isaiah, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and say this to this people. Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull, and their eyes heavy and blind their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed so Isaiah is writing down what God said and then he's going to go tell it to the people alright so these are examples of God being quoted so really they can only be treated honestly objectively as God speaking and uh, in, in meaning something specific to the audience at the time. This is an interesting thing about God speaking. He means something specific to the audience at the time. This is about a very specific set of circumstances, very specific set of people. So when we go to figure out, but it also, however, got recorded in our and kept for us to read. So why does he want us to read it? Another thing for us to try to understand. But it's whatever. And it might be that this doesn't apply to us. That this is really, like in this case, he was talking to these people about their thing, about their situation and something that was going to happen to them. And 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 to us it's a story. We see something about the character of God. We can learn something from it. And that's, isn't that one of the things as we study the Bible that we have to keep doing is try to understand from the context, is it like that? Or is, it, you know, is, this, is he talking to us specifically with what he's saying? Like in, the, in Genesis, are, we, is, are the plants still for us to eat? Yes. Okay, so he told Adam and Eve that. 
but it actually also is true for us. Okay. Uh, all right. So, um, what's another example of God speaking? Ryan brought it up. Easy question. Jesus speaking. Feel free to shout out. Jesus speaking. All right. So Jesus is God. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus said. He's God. And in the Bible, he's quoted a lot. And uh, for better or worse, in a lot of Bibles, it's in red. Let's look at uh, Matthew 5, 3 through 4. I'm going to read this because I'm running out of time. Matthew 5, 3 through 4. Well, I'll read verse 2, too. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And uh, he goes on and mentions several other kinds of people who are blessed. All right? So Jesus is talking. Jesus is God. So this is God talking. So this is objective truth from God for us to understand and uh, what is what was he telling the audience at the time? What is he telling us by having it recorded in the Bible for us to read 2,000 years later? -ish. And then over in Matthew 23, another example of Jesus talking, verse 27. But those were about people who were blessed. That this is a counterexample. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you. So this is God talking to uh, some people who I think were in the audience. <clears throat> and uh, objective truth spoken by Christ. So maybe I got the easy lesson in terms of explaining why these should be considered to be part of the Word of God. right? Because somebody was there hearing it and they wrote it down. So we have God speaking, pure and simple. Okay, uh, <clears throat> page two. No, we're almost done. Okay. Uh, here's another example. It's a little bit different. Re uh, Revelation 1, 17 through 19. Okay. Apostle John sees a vision of the Son of Man. He sees Jesus in a vision. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, 
and I have the keys to death and Hades. I like this. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen for those that are and those that are to take place after this. And then he proceeds in the beginning of Revelation to dictate letters to the churches. That's the first couple of chapters of Revelation. Jesus is dictating letters for John that's arranged to be sent to these churches. So, Jesus has ascended. He doesn't apparently appear like physically, like transfigured or whatever, to John. But in a vision, there he is, and he's dictating stuff for John to have put in the mail. And then, of course, we got to keep it too. We got to keep copies. So there in the Bible, we have Jesus talking after his ascension. He also <clears throat> talked to Paul, but it was very personal and specific. Okay. Um, <clears throat> okay, well, and, I mean, he's sending messages with, with uh, judgments in them and advice and... I mean, those are some epistles right there to those churches. So these words are in our Bible. They're spoken by God. They have divine authority. They're written down in permanent ink. We can rely on them. We're well served to study them. Uh, we'll need this Holy Spirit's help. That's another thing we'll talk about in this class is how these words become useful to us. Uh, really depends on the Holy Spirit. We'll spend some time talking about that. Um, there's one other kind of words that I wanted to mention before we run out of time. And that takes us back to Matthew 4. Matthew 4, 4, which we already read. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That is a quote from Deuteronomy by Jesus to the devil. And if you scan down a little bit to verse 7, the devil comes up with another idea for Jesus. And he says, uh, again it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. That is a quote from Deuteronomy 6.16. And then if you look down to verse 10... Now he comes up with another idea, and Jesus says, uh, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, uh, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And uh, that is a quote from Deuteronomy 6.13. So Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy, and uh, what was the first one? They were all Deuteronomy, weren't they? Yeah. And... Uh, to Satan with authority as though, you know, God says such and such. He, said, he didn't use the phrase and God said, he said, it is written. So he's referring to the scriptures. The scriptures say, we today and we wouldn't say it is written unless we want it to be funny, right? We say it is written. Like in that movie, let it be written, so let it be done. It is written, says, thus saith the Lord. God says, and you can look it up to Satan in Deuteronomy, Man shall not live by bread alone. And, and then, uh, so Jesus basically is validating the Old Testament scriptures as God's words. 
as God's words. If I was a really thorough teacher, I'd have looked up that Deuteronomy and found if it's in the and God said, if it's one of the and God said ones. Or if it's, I think it might be. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> some, some in Deuteronomy and it's not. Well, it's interesting in that case, too, and I've been thinking about the question that you asked, which the one that Dave asked the question to your question, what is it like, what comes first word or truth, or mm-hmm. however that worked. Jesus quotes God and said, and God said in Greek, but it was originally said in Hebrew and whatever language God uses. Mm-hmm. And we use it like we, some, some, some religions have gotten stuck on, it's only valid when it's in its original language. Mm-hmm. Um, like think of Islam, like the Quran has to be in Arabic. Mm-hmm. And so there's ne- no one's ever going to translate it because it's it's not valid unless it's in its original language. Mm-hmm. We don't follow that. Mm-hmm. I mean, God didn't say light, and maybe He said you know the Hebrew word for light, which is day, mm-hmm. um, ironically. Uh, but or we could have said something else. But our words aren't tied to what was the language that was used at the time. Language is a means to translate or to communicate information. Yeah. And we're far more concerned with the information that God has because God is truth. Yeah. And whatever God says is is true, whatever language you're going to use it in, it's true right. regardless of the language. So we focus on communicating the language, not having some rote thing that we have to memorize. Yes, exactly. Well, and I mean that does and we will talk about translation. Because translation introduced a tricky responsibility. Oh, sorry for, sorry for uh, jumping the gun. No, not today. No, but that's a, I mean, if you think about it, we have the original languages. Again, we don't, Jesus was speaking, we pretty sure he was speaking in a language called Aramaic. Yeah, yeah. And, but when they wrote the New Testament, they were, you know, the trend was to write things in Greek. So they, you know, right away, what we're reading in the original language is not in the original language. It's the Greek version of what Jesus said in Aramaic. And, we're going to hold translators responsible to get as, as do as good a job as they can, and then we're going to go with that, right? And if and if we study the original language and decide, well, you could translate it this way or you could translate it that way, and knowing that helps us get more clear on what God probably meant, that's all helpful, that's all good. But again, it's about getting down to what these words actually mean, what God meant by these words. Not what we hope he meant. I mean, that's what humans do, right? We handle it selfishly, anything. Especially if it comes to us with some kind of authority. We're like, well, I don't know. To me, that doesn't mean that. I mean, uh, Stephanie's in a Bible study, and she's had people say, well, to me, that means something completely different than what it clearly means. Humans want to do that because we don't like what it clearly means. Okay, and we've been raised up to decide for ourselves what things really mean since the Enlightenment. Okay. So, uh, all right, yeah. I think it's, sorry, just a thought that got out of my brain. It's, you know, we're, there's, like a, there's a difference between, in my mind, the way I'm thinking of it is like, we're talking about like words and God using words, but God used his own words. It's like kind of a slight distinction because like we said, like we've talked about, is like words are an expression expression of information or expression of some truth mm-hmm. but there's it's open interpretation there are language barriers or communication barriers there's meaning there's whatever and that morphs over time you have colloquials you have ways of speaking mm-hmm. but 
God's words, if we're talking about like words as in God's words, they are objectively true because they come from God himself. Exactly. And the Bible is this book of God's words, and it is authoritative and true because it is self-referential, mm-hmm. because it comes from God. And so mm-hmm. that also requires, you know, it's like we said, well, what does the Bible say? What does it mean? It's like there's also this level of like we, we have to be indwelt with the Holy Spirit to even understand what the Bible is, what, what God is trying to convey through his word. Like it's a matter of the spirit in us, helping, helping us discern what it says, Amen. because it is objective in a way that our own words are not, right? There's, there's a, a separation, just like, you know, holiness being set apart. There's a set apart inness mm-hmm. from our words and his words, because yes. his words come from him. And so they're effectively and totally true. Yes. Amen. My conclusion. <laughs> no, true. And uh, so that is, uh, that's exactly it. God's words have authority. I mean, Jesus, when he quoted God's words to Satan, that last one, he, he before he quoted the scripture, he commanded Satan to get, lost, to get lost, to go away. And he went away. And uh, let Satan be gone from here. That's one of God's things he can do. And Satan left. So the, uh, <clears throat> I mean, Jesus quotes uh, in Matthew. He quotes Genesis one. He quotes in the uh, Genesis one twenty seven. He quotes Genesis two twenty four. We're out of time, so we won't look at that. But and he, even when he was talking about his crucifixion, he kept people would say, "Well, don't do that because that's not a good idea." And he said, "No, I got to do that because that's." what God said was going to happen. And uh, so the, the words of God have that authority over Satan, over, Je- you know, over Jesus, if you want to put it that way. Jesus complied with the words of God. They, they have authority. Uh, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't do anything unless it was basically spoken by God. He said, I don't, how does he say it? I don't do anything on my own. I do what I see the Father doing. I mean, he basically just carries out. In fact, he called himself the fulfillment of the Word of God. He gets called in the first chapter of John, the Word made flesh. So an expression of God, a communication of God, a form of communication like we talked before. All right. So we're going we're gonna to start looking at, in the coming weeks we'll look at other kinds of Scripture. But we want to start with just talking about, well, a big part of the Bible is just quotes of God talking and so we can trust those those have authority we got to ask for the Holy Spirit to help us understand what he meant when he said them and what what are the implications for us now that we find in whatever he said to whoever he said it to that he's provided us this permanent copy of Uh, it's 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 suitable we're told in Timothy it's suitable for us uh, for what four things Teaching, correction, teaching, correction, reproof, instruction in righteousness. Okay, so it's there for us for a reason, and uh, we'll need the Spirit's help. But we don't have to worry about whether it's objective truth. Uh, It is. We can know that it is because God spoke it. All right. Let let me pray. Dear God, thank you for this time this morning. Uh, 
Lord, for the time to look at your word, uh, what you've said about your word uh, in it to us. Uh, Lord, we just praise you and thank you so much for so much content in our Bible that is directly, quote, from you. Lord, we don't have to wonder. We know this is from you. And uh, we just pray that you would enable us uh, through your spirit to study it together and to understand what you meant uh, then and what you mean now uh, and how it is suitable or profitable to us in some way, uh, which we can only understand uh, because of your spirit. We thank you for that. We thank you for the service to come. We pray that you would be uh, glorified and praised in that service, that you would be taught clearly, and Lord, that you would again, through your Holy Spirit, enable us to hear you and uh, hear what you're saying to us. Uh, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>